I think that the fear of the feminine is, you know, the feminine, you know, we're creative vessels. We're like, obviously intensely identified with our planet. We cycle with the moon. We are vehicles for life and death. And there's this, you know, I think in this toxically masculine world that's completely out of balance, there is this like, but I'm not going to die. You know, this completely uh, intense fear of death, fear of creative chaos, fear of the void. You know, we are not good at this culturally, but men in particular, I think, really struggle. But what, but this is where I feel like we're also at a really interesting inflection point. And I think we can look at what's happening with the contemporary trans movement as a hint at where we're going, which is like if we sort of say, okay, we had sort of this more matrilineal um, uh, approach, like we uh, this veneration of the goddess, this like intense relationship with the planet. Then we moved into patriarchy. So matriarchy, we can call it, let's say matriarchy to patriarchy. And the next evolutionary phase for us is androgyny. And not the negation of gender. And this is where I feel like we always get confused. But instead, the recognition of this next stage, like we've done the work somewhat of, of sexuality and gender are not always aligned, right? We, we all recognize this. Not all, but many. And then this next phase is, I think, okay, what is the masculine? The balanced divine masculine is truth, order, structure. The balanced divine feminine is creativity, nurturance, care. These energies and qualities are in all of us and should be in all of us equally, regardless of our gender. And so, yes, like... This the ability to generate and create life. It's a very different experience to be in a, but we we're also pushing against that too, right? To say like, no, actually, I'm like very much a woman, even though I was born with with you know male biological parts, etc. Um, and so I think, but I think for this next stage to emerge, it won't be sort of like, okay, man, you're done, bye. It is instead, men, let your feminine come up. Women, I think women are already pretty balanced. Most of us, even if we wouldn't identify it like that, there's so much repression and we can talk about sort of that and how that's killing us. Yeah. But that women can be like, this is what it looks like to be in your masculine and feminine. I'm making shit happen. I'm directing the day. I am running a team at work. And I also love and care for my family and I love to cook or I, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think we're, we're familiar and comfortable. Men need to let their feminine come up. But yeah, the repression. So what I think has happened to women is just because of this quest for goodness and all of this cultural programming around goodness, which inherently is like a beautiful word. But what's happened, and this goes to Mary Magdalene actually, is that these qualities of quote-unquote goodness became adjudicated by external authorities and checklists and who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell, men, priests, professors, 
cetera. And in the gospel of Mary, which was deemed heretical and it's a Gnostic gospel, but that's a beautiful gospel where Christ is essentially, she's having a conversation where she is the first apostle. He is, he is resurrected to her, not to the men. Um, and he is telling her about this journey down where he encounters these forces, the reconciling of these forces before he ascends. He is like explaining the path and many pages are missing, etc. It's a very mystical document. But the the prevailing idea, the thesis is God is not out there. It is in you. The goodness is inherent, sacred, and not an exterior achievement. And that's the one, you know, it's all very, again, like have it's intense that this is, that she is so wrapped up in the way that it has been externalized, this idea of goodness. Yeah, it's fascinating. And so what happens to women, which I think we can all relate to, is that you have these voices in your head that are not your own, but for so long we've internalized them or been like, oh, it must be my family. Well, it's culture. It's culture. It's in us. It lives in our psychology. I looked up the sins and had this like, oh my God, this is uh, this is it for women. Sloth, envy, pride, gluttony, greed, lust, anger. These are all things that women police themselves around, suppress and deny and are judged for. These are all cultural ideas that we recognize. We don't hold these against men. But the sins weren't in the Bible. That was shocking to me. They came out of the Egyptian desert at the same time that the New Testament was being canonized. And so what happens is that when we experience one of these sins and we have been conditioned and programmed to think it's bad, we repress it and suppress it and we don't ever let it come up. And then when it does come up, we feel a tremendous amount of shame. Instead, these, these sins are full of information for us about what we want, about who we are, about how we feel, about where our boundaries are, what our needs are. And so you get sort of this, 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 these qualities of being a woman where you're like, I don't, I don't know what this feeling is, and so I'm going to project it onto someone else. Um, I write about envy as sort of the gateway because it's such an icky feeling, right? Like we we immediately are like, oh, gross. Like I don't mm. – I have no envy. And I would hear this all the time like from the editorial team or women in my life. Like I was with my friend Kate, and we were sitting by her pool, and she was – I was writing this chapter, and – and, you know, I was like, well, envy, envy shows you what you want. If you let it come up and you acknowledge it and you, it shows you what you want. And instead what we do is we sort of say like, I don't like her. Like she's yeah. annoying and she thinks she's all that. And um, we can recognize this pattern in our lives and we uphold it with each other. So I was telling her, I was like, who are you envious of? And, and she was like, I don't know. I, I love women. I am not I don't have any envy and her mom was there and she was like, "Oh yeah, you guys, you outgrow that. That's like a playground thing." And I was like, "Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, like I'll just leave that with you here." And the next day I was at coffee 
with a friend and I look at my phone and I have, you know, 19 unread text messages and I think someone's sick and I look at my phone and it's my friend and it's, <laughs> she's really funny. She's like, this woman drives I mean, me crazy. Terms of their envy. Oh my God. I, can't, I find her <laughs> so annoying. And they were all women in LA who have their own brands who are sort of creatively expressed in the world. And, and it was funny because she was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, she's like, I understand. I, um, I want to do that. I want to do that. And they're pushing, you know, they're pushing on a dream she has for herself. But it was funny just like how intensely insistent she was that she didn't have any envy. Mm-hmm. And then to actually, as soon as she allowed it, it was like, oh, I see how how alive this is in me. And what I've also found is as soon as you let it come up and you're like, yeah, I'm really envious. Like I wanted that opportunity. Wow. That's amazing for her. It, it's fleeting actually. Yeah. It's pretty quick to deal with it and be like, it's empowering. And then you're like, oh, I'm really happy for her. Yeah. Like the minute you allow it to transform – not to say I also I want that. It's not saying I don't want that. It's saying, wow, okay, she did that. I could do mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Very different, very different experience than like, how did she get that job? Like, she's not that smart. And, you know, all patterns that we recognize and support in each other. And now if we could interrupt it and recognize what it is. Yeah. I think it it starts to change things. From my intuition lens, I think this is so important and so fascinating because when I teach intuition, I do it through a a four-step method. And one of the steps is that all intuitive knowledge has to be processed up through the body. And so we start looking at Mm. like, well, what's getting in the way of that intuition processing up through the body and everything you're talking about, these seven sins, all of that repression, it's getting stuck in there, you know, like nothing can transfer, no intuitive knowledge, no like deep knowledge can actually rise up to the body freely. If there is an oppression of all other emotions, if there is um, a repression of anything that's uncomfortable or old patterns or belief systems, or it's like, sure, energetic information is all around you, but it's of no use if it can't fully be translated. And so I think this is like, oof, gold. And the reality is just from having a couple years lead time on this process and like using the sins as a framework for diagnosing what's happening in my own body, it's Mm. – I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying it hasn't been like a deeply therapeutic process and that I'm still – I'm not going to say I'm done and that I am like balanced and uh, I don't shame myself, you know, of course not. But two things. One – I feel much more um, – it's shocking to me how quickly these feelings can be resolved once properly diagnosed, that they're not – they don't linger with the same vehemence. And that, too, what's exciting to me and where I think that there's great potential is that more – as more women have read the book and as I've been able to get into conversation with them, these things start transforming really fast. It's like a muscle. It's like a retraining muscle. And the more we can support each other and both interrupting or sort of calling each other, being like, well, wait, wait, like what's happening? 
And like, I can sense your, I can sense you're upset. Like I can feel it. What, what's happening? The more we can support each other in this excavation and like repathing almost, the faster it starts to happen. And the more we disrupt this, the more, I think the more quickly a lot of these structures change. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0.